Welcome to the Good Times Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Thank you for for watching and or hearing us. We really appreciate it. This is quite fun. It is. It's a it's a good time. Good time. Okay, so this topic isn't much of a good time, um, but I am going to share with the audience today's topic. We really are about to dive into something that has been heavy on my heart. Um, I was going through TikTok or yeah, TikTok and saw so many videos of parents who, particularly mothers, but we know the conversation happens with men as well. That tends to be what is pushed in the media. Mm -hmm. But now that we have like TikTok, it's a lot of guys recording the ladies or people recording, you know, their loved ones saying that they don't want the responsibility of parenthood anymore. That they anymore. Right. Or they don't want the responsibility. I don't, they, whether it's anymore or whether... Some of them have it already. Yeah. No. Okay. All of these people already are parents. parents. Got it. All of these people are parents. Okay. They so like, it's anymore. Oh, yeah. They like... It. I got it. I, I saw one. She dropped her three kids off at her mama's house and was like, you take them. I don't want this responsibility. Her mama was like, what you mean? I'm not about to raise these kids. She was like, they're not, it's, it's above me now. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. She was like, I didn't found a man. He don't want no kids, so I'm going to go live my best life and be happy with him. And her mom like, you ain't think about that before you had three children? Then there's another one where the dad dropped, tried to drop off his son after like three months. And the mom like, I don't want him. Like, you keep him. He like, I'm married with a kid. Uh, married with a family. She like, I don't care. Like, you want... You was married when we got this. Well, they weren't married. From what I watched, they weren't married because the child was like two and he'd been married for a year. So I don't know if he was with his girl or whatever, but they had the child two years ago. She like, I don't want him. And she like, she flat out said, if I can't have you, then I don't want him. And so he's looking in the apartment. He's like, are you on drugs? Like, are you on something? Because it looks filthy. And I, she probably was, right? But then, like, I just kind of went down a rabbit hole and saw a lot of videos. Oh, boy. A lot of videos of women, women particularly, but we know, you know, men have done the same, where they do not want the children. They don't want the responsibility. And... You know, in one breath, you could be like, all right, dude, take the kid. Because God forbid she snaps, like whether the person is in postpartum or whatever. But like, that's what we see when we look at the book, big screen and somebody then killed their kids, mm-hmm. drowned, you know, ran off the road with all the kids. And, and we are living in a time, and this might be really, really touchy. But currently in Ohio and across our nation, but particularly in Ohio, there is a fight for reproductive rights and reproductive justice. Abortion being a part of that, but not the sole component of that. Um, Because in Cleveland, where I serve and work, you know, you got kids that are in the foster system that are being housed in the JFS building because they're not like they sleep in, in the office building. Does that contribute to, I just saw a news report where Cleveland has the most children missing. They have a lot of children missing. Like, a lot it was like of over children. a thousand. So I sat down and talked to a woman who helps families of missing children. Mm. 
um, and having conversation with, with her, she's been ta- uh, working with the police department, but particularly the U.S. Marshals, because the Marshals are over that um, division. A lot of kids are runaway. We don't know how many children are runaway, because you don't know until you find them. Um, I personally believe that a lot of kids are being trafficked as well. Oh, yeah. Um, whether they are still in the city or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of children who are runaway. And so we are literally living in a time where folks are trying to police women's bodies mm-hmm. and say what you can or cannot do. Past trying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dobbs. Yeah, yeah. Dobbs, uh, oh, yeah. Supreme Court decision definitely made that mm-hmm. a reality mm-hmm. where we can tell women, no, you have to have a child. Uh-huh. It's forced birth. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not that you're anti-abortion. You are forced That's birth. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and on top of that, a time where people don't want to have children and don't want the responsibility, <coughs> they don't want the responsibility of having children mm-hmm. and a system that is has so much pressure on it that the children that we do have are not being properly taken care of, not being properly housed, not being protected, not being looked after, right? And I am really struggling with this. Yeah. Hmm. You want me to say something? Yeah, you got something to say? <laughs> Here's here's the word for what you're talking about. Even going back to what you opened up the segment with, talking about what you saw with the parents saying, I don't feel like doing this no more. The word for this is perversion. Now, where we miss it at, when we hear perversion, we immediately think sex. But perversion attacks duty before it ever gets to sexuality. Perversion is when I no longer accept or understand my role. So perversion is a mindset long before it's a behavior. Mm. If you can get your mind around that. We've perverted family. We've perverted nurturing. We've perverted relationships. We've perverted all of these things, right? And so now behavior ensues once my mindset is shifted. That's what we're really dealing with. Um, when, when we begin, you, you mentioned in our last segment uh, that the God of our country, what we worship is capitalism. Um, and that is so true. But if that becomes your God, if that becomes your idol God, that means you will forsake all to chase it, mm-hmm. to go after it. Therein lies the perversion. The things of God are now secondary. Mm-hmm. What God wants, secondary, tertiary, whatever you want to call it, on down the list. Um, but it's, not, it's no longer the priority for sure. And so once I get there, if I don't, if, if, if my, my own personal value system is shot, if I don't value family, if I don't value relationship, if I don't value marriage, this opens up uh, uh, just a whole vat of dysfunction that comes from that one perversion 
God is no longer my God. Capitalism is. Mm -hmm. That detaches me from all things wholesome, from all things virtuous, because the main thing is to get this money, is to make a name for myself, even if I have to defraud others to get it, right? And so, and then when I, when I really start dealing with perversion, if I cannot get the money, I will then settle for the look of it. Because mm. I can't really have it. So, so now just let me promote the look, even if I really don't have the substance. And I think therein lies where regular, everyday, working class people fall into that trap mm -hmm. of trying to perpetuate a life, promote a life, demonstrate a life that they're not even close to. Yeah. And so I'm chasing all this other stuff. So when, when, I, when I no longer have the mindset to be a good person, what happens, Kayla, then is I chase flesh, not principle. Do you know how many people don't have principles? Hmm. Like at all? There was a statement my mother used to make, my grandparents, my mother. I know you heard it because I know your people. But if you did something, somebody would say this to you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, right? You ain't got no shame. That was, and that, if the right person says that to you, that's enough to pull you all the way in. Have you no shame? Have you no shame? Or watch this. Now, I know you know better than that. Come on. We don't hear that anymore. When was the last time you heard a parent say that to a child in a grocery store? Or at a park? Or at a... And so what happens is the perversion, we can't think behavior first. Perversion starts with mindset. That's where, that's where perversion starts. There's a definition I give for sin. Um, and, and, and the definition we learned in school when I was going through uh, my master's program for counseling. Here's the definition. Sin is an invisible power emanating from Satan that impacts the mind to stimulate the brain to think in terms of urges, fantasies, and ideas that will destroy one's kingdom potential. Ah, yeah. That's sin. Aye. <laughs> so Aye. Let's, let's walk back through it. Let, so watch now. So sin, first of all, is not what a person is doing. That's not sin. Those are symptoms. Right? Just like if you got a runny nose, you can't just keep on, because that don't get rid of, <laughs> that don't get, all you'll do is get on people's right. nerves doing that, sniveling. And somebody's going to finally say, why don't you go blow your nose? Right. Right? Because it's, it's a deeper issue. So watch this. Sin, number one, is invisible. You can't see it. If you could see it, you would stay away from it, but you can't see it. It's an invisible power. So it has strength emanating from Satan. It comes from Satan. And what does he do? He impacts the mind. So with scripture, this is your mind, right? Your soul, your heart, that's your mind. So it impacts the mind to stimulate the brain mm. to think in terms of urges. I should. Fantasies, what if, yeah. ideas, I'm going to make a plan too, mm -hmm. that destroy your kingdom potential. 
So see now, if I, if I look at that macro definition, I get away from the fact that sin is me drinking or cussing or fornication. No, sin is bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Sin is anything that stops you from achieving kingdom potential. My word. Anything that stops you from achieving. If we could learn that, we would do better teaching people now. Yeah. Because you can't just threaten people with, for bad behavior because these are the most educated and aware and informed people that ever walked the planet. So now we got to really break this down. Sin is an invisible power emanating from Satan. Impacts the mind, stimulates the brain, thinking in terms of urges, fantasies, and ideas that will destroy your kingdom potential. So anything you're doing that's stopping you from being the you God wants you to do, be, is mm -hmm. sin. So what is eternal life? Sin, uh, eternal life is an invisible power. You can't see it either. It emanates from Jesus Christ, right? It is available to the believer only. It impacts the mind to stimulate the brain to think in terms of urges, fantasies, and ideas that will build up kingdom potential. So eternal life is not going to church, it's not shouting, it's not speaking in tongues, it's not running victory laps. It is allowing Jesus Christ to impact you with urges, uh, fantasies, what if, ideas. I'm going to plan on that build up your kingdom potential. That's the difference between eternal life and sin, not how much tithes you pay, not whether or not you're in church every Sunday, not to have you sang every Sunday for the last 40 years, have you ushered for the last 30 years. None of that matters in the scope of sin and eternal life. What is impacting your mind to stimulate your brain and what's coming out on the other side? Does it build up or does it tear down? Ooh, that's Bible. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And what the words say, when something is planted, it brings forth, when lust is planted, it brings it's forth sin. Come, come on. <laughs> it's, it's all Come scripture. on. It's 100% it's biblical. And we have to start teaching that because the problem, when you ask that problem, and when you talk about being perverse or perverted, that means I am now allowing my mind to be impacted more by those things evil than those things that are virtuous or holy. And that's what gets a person to come in and say, I don't want him. I don't want that child. I don't. That's what makes me put my flesh above what could happen from this encounter or these encounters I'm having with this person. This act can produce a child. Mm -hmm. And God will never allow anything but abstinence to be 100%. Yeah. All the medicine we use, it can be as high as 98, right. but God won't let it be 100 right. because he'll never let science dictate people's sincerity or faith walk with him. So whatever you're doing, it can have a high percentage of, of being uh, uh, true and accurate, but it'll never be bigger than what God said to you. That was a lot, I'm sorry. That was a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was look. I went. I got on a soapbox. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> that was a lot. That I mean. But that that frustrated me when you talked about parents, because now what you're calling what what God means to be the greatest honor, you're calling your biggest burden. Right. You're saying the opposite of what God says about. It. 
God gave you the, the beautiful power to create life and you're throwing it back in the face of God. Yeah. And irresponsibly. Because even if you didn't want your kid, there's a lot of ways to make sure the kid going to be all right. Yeah. I think that what, that is what, like, broke my heart. So, um, watching it. And I'm, like, tearing up because I watched a video where her the mom was literally pushing this two-year-old oh, two child. The baby. He was a ba- I don't even know if he was I don't two. want it. She was, like, take him. Like, don't come. And he co- trying to come over, like, mom. She said. And I don't care him. how young he is. That's going. Oh. I sat there and said, wait, what are you, what? 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 He's going he to he wrestle with that. And there's so many children um, who have experienced abandonment from their parent, right? And we wonder why we got folks walking around crazy with attachment issues and, and all of these different because things. Because they didn't have anybody. Yeah. Abandonment issues while living in the house with them, some of them. Yeah. They see them every day and still feel the abandonment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know what the church can do to help that other than keep teaching and keep preaching. It is going to be feel like, like it's exhausting. It's going to feel like it's not making a difference. Uh, one day I was talking to Young Spirit and Eve out. <clears throat> and you talked about your work. And and I talked about how I don't know, I don't think racism will ever end. But we can't stop fighting. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. The thing you're bringing up right now, I don't know that it will ever end, especially when scripture prophesies that, that the love of many will wax cold and mothers will be against their own children, fathers will be against their own children. When scripture talks about that, but how dare we stop fighting? So I think churches have to have classes and we have to nurture and we have to have people that help build up our young women and young men uh, to understand that parenthood has nothing to do with your age. To be a father or a mother is spiritual. It's not biological. There's a spiritual thing that has to happen that has to connect you there. Just like there would have to be a spiritual thing to disconnect you. One happens to be rooted and grounded in sin. The other is rooted and grounded in eternal life. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's heavy. I mean, it's not a panacea, but... <laughs> so, so, so then what classes do we have? What, what nurturing do we give in this day and age to young women, even before their mothers, young, young, <clears throat> young men, even before their fathers? What, what do we give to them that will help them prepare? Because they're not going to get it from home. Why? Because we know people who are only 13 years older than their child, mm-hmm. 14 years older than their child which literally they were raised together. So the wisdom's not there. And because of their age, when they get to a certain place, they're trying to now recapture what they felt they missed by having a child. So I got the child stable enough. I want to go out now. I want to hang out now. I don't want to raise no. 
And that's different because the people who raised me, you, you do know my, 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 my father, my mother, they could get married at 17, 18 years old because at 17, 18 years old, that was going to be their life. Mm -hmm. At 17, 18, they was going to go to work, come home, go to sleep, and go back to work. And they was going to do that for the next 50 years. Now we're in a generation where there are so many options and they're good, bad, and ugly. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think young people are confronted with. And that's why my suggestion is, for instance, you're going to get married in May. You gotta get married in May, right? So now watch this. For you, because of who raised you, because of what you saw, you thought it was getting late. Mm -hmm. I think I told you before. I think it's the perfect age, simply because of the options and opportunity you have available to you. I don't think, and I'm saying this as a pastor. I don't think it's a good idea for people to get married at 19, 20, 21. I think people should actually wait till they're 30 or 35 to get married. Jesus. Because they're confronted with so many other things. But I, I didn't... The Bible says it's better to marry the burn. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, you better get some fire extinguisher. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So for all those who heard that quote, that don't mean burn in hell, that means burn with lust. Yeah, that's why I said fire extinguisher. The interpretation that and, and it is true. However, or as my dad would say, "House and never." You got <laughs> you got to make sure you get married the right person. Amen. Because what 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 you can't get back is time. Amen. And feelings and all of that kind of stuff you can't get back. And and I think because of where we are, because of what's happening, I think. 30, 35 is a good age to get married. Mm. Now, but here's here's the thing. Think about it. Think about in your 30s how many guys you met in their 30s that were ridiculous. Crazy. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Off the wall. And if I was talking to one of, one of my nephews, uh, 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 even one of your brothers, they, uh, I want to ask them, how many women in your age bracket have you met that were nuts? They would say, all of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> all of them. B because that's the reality that we're not required to be mature as early as we once were. The requirement of maturity. And see, you got to remember, you know, I, you know I've been knowing you literally all your life. So here's the thing I know. When your younger siblings came along because your mom and dad were working, you had to become immediately responsible, especially for your baby uh, sister and brother, mm -hmm. right? So so that you already helping raise kids as a teenager. Yeah. And this, it ain't optional. Right. You got to do this. Right. People ain't doing that no more. They ain't doing it no more. So that's why you got to jump, a large jump on maturity because you're like the baby of the dinosaurs, <laughs> right? The people who were raised with principles and raised with an expectation and this need to be clean when I get home and this need to be this when I got home and better not be no dishes in the sink. And you, you understand what I'm saying? That's where you come from, but you're the baby from that format. Most they, so it's going to be hard to find people responsible 
when they haven't had any responsibility. So in Bible study, you were talking about David and gave some background on his um, conception and mm-hmm. how he got here. Mm-hmm. I read um, in some Jewish texts that mm-hmm. his, which I was like, oh, I wish you would have said this. <laughs> I know you was on limited time and you were just setting the stage. That, wasn't really the, that really wasn't the topic of Bible study. But um, I read in a Jewish text that his dad, Jesse, mm-hmm was having an identity crisis mm. because his grandfather oh, uh, who was or his grandmother Ruth mm. and who was the kinsman redeemer? Uh, Boaz. Boaz, mm. right? Uh, Boaz had went and um, married Ruth mm-hmm. and because Ruth was a what, what Moabite, was Moabite mm-hmm. and wasn't from the line of the mm-hmm. Israelites. Mm-hmm. Jesse was having this whole identity crisis about who he was. Who he was. That's heavy. And after he had been married mm-hmm. and had all of these kids, right before David comes along, he starts to have this like midlife crisis mm-hmm. and puts his wife out. Of the house. Of the other boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, his, his wife. Mm-hmm. One wife. Puts her out and says, you know, I'm not qualified. Mm-hmm. I'm not a full... Uh, well, I'm not a full-blooded Jew. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thank you for your service. You are a full-blooded uh, Israelite. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm going to put you away. Mm-hmm. And go live my life. Mm-hmm. The Jewish text says that she... Much like many of her descendants in the past, covered herself and put herself out to be a prostitute, mm. and went in with Jesse, and had another child, David. That was David. after he put her away. Yes, and so when David becomes born, all of his his dad and all of his brothers hate him because mm. they think that his mother was out horn with somebody else. But she actually came home for, to Jesse. Right. You got it. Yeah. And so now when the prophet comes to anoint and pick a son and he goes through all of the, the line of the boys and he's like, you don't have anybody. You still got another son. Right. A legitimate son. Right. Not one born out of wedlock. Right. But I think up until that point, Jesse and all the boys really was putting David off to be like. Out of wedlock. Yeah. You're the son of a harlot. Yes. Yeah. Which excuses Jesse. Right. For his Totally. But yes. it was Jesse's midlife crisis and not knowing who he was and being secure in who he was mm. that causes this. And so when you said yesterday that, you know, David writes, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. It's like, okay, but why were they forsaking you? And it's like, you got to look back to There's the- so much history. And that's history you cannot get unless you read some other Jewish texts yeah. or some rabbinical literature. Where they break those things down. Or or you'll never get it. And it'll sound real churchy, but give you no context. Absolutely. But that that makes David's story so much more... Profound, prolific, heart-wrenching. Man. What made me study that, talking about kids being thrown away, because that's what we're talking about, and abandoned. What made me look for that and start looking at that was when this dude, as a teenager, 
barely a teenager, said, I fought a lion and a bear. And I just thought about that for a minute. How? <laughs> and you're a kid. How, yeah. how does that? Yeah. You, you know, the other thing, think, think about, think about Jonathan and Joel. Think about what you would do to protect them from walking up on a giant. Yeah. Even now. Even now. Here's a 13, 14-year-old boy walking up on a giant with a slingshot. His brothers don't even come to help. That's what got me thinking, like, they hate this dude. And that's when I started looking up the other stuff. I said, this has got to be more to this. This is not just stuff that legends are made of. This dude is coming from a very profound dysfunctional situation. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why I told the people last night, you can look it up, I ain't got time. But if you look it up, that story's going to be in just about, or some version of it, in every uh, Jewish literature, rabbinical, rabbinical literature you find to explain how he ends up there. Thrown away. Yeah. Literally, he is a thrown away child. Yeah. And God finds him and says, you're going to be the king. My God. That's a much better story for preaching, too, by the way. Yeah. My question, though, becomes, how do we reach so many of these kids? And who's who is going to find these kids in the middle of them tending sheep or whatever it is in the 21st century, right? Um, that's like, that's where my heart is aching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you're not going to like my answer. I know. <laughs> but it's a good answer. You're just not going to like it. You got to remember, if that's the culture, how many Davids or Davidas could there be, right? I knew you were going to say that. Which means Jesse, excuse me, Samuel came looking for one. And I think the key to us is to helping is to literally, if all of us just search for one, the number we save would be astronomical. The problem we have now is most of us aren't looking for any. Even when we see it, when we walk through and we look at the board at Walmart or all the missing children, it don't really hit. You know, we just kind of look at it, woof, and go keep going to the car. But I think if all of us would really look for one to help, and I ain't even talking about one of the missing, I'm talking about before they get missing. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the burden we have to accept. If that each of us, if each family extends themselves to reach one. So, you know, Kenny is my son, but he is super cool with the idea that he knows he's my biological son, but I have many sons. Brittany ain't so cool as Kenny about <laughs> But she has always been willing to share her dad with other people in need. Some of her friends call me daddy. You need to call my dad, she'll give him the number. And so I think that what we have to do as adults is no matter how involved our life is, you, you got enough time to find one. 
And if we can all do that, I, I think it'll work. The problem is almost none of us are doing it. Yeah. I know that probably didn't help, but I, I think that's the way to get at it. We did 30 minutes already? Yeah. That fast? Yeah. Let's do 30 more just for Jonathan. <laughs> My nephew says we do these too fast. We need to go longer. Mm. It's a rich conversation, but you got to get the people something to come back to. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I enjoy doing these with you, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to us. Are we still rolling? Yep. Thank you all for listening to us on the Good Time Podcast. We're still perfecting it. Once we get it perfected, we're going to have theme music and everything. It's going to be crazy. Keep tuning in. Thank you all. What's, what's the platform we're on? We are on YouTube. Well, YouTube. Uh, the page is, is it Bishop Kenneth Paramore it's or on just the, Kenneth Paramore? No. It's on the Tri-C page. It's on the Tri-C page. Yeah. Tri-C Youngstown. Tri-C Youngstown. Christ-centered sure. church. Christ-centered church Youngstown. We're on YouTube and... Spotify. Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. But what's the platform, Mr. Gibbs? The Black Podcasters. So we'll put a link to that in the bio. There you go. But we are now on Black Podcasting. And you can find a host of uh, podcasts. It's the number one podcasting app for urban podcasting. There are a host of good podcasts on here. And the shout out to Miss Goldine Gibbs and her brother, uh, the media icon, Lewis Gibbs, for helping us find our way to get on there. Thank y'all so much. And with that, we will see you next week.